Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, like Beth said earlier, um, for many of us, because we didn't get the chance to meet last week, this is our chance to say that. So certainly want to welcome everybody here who's uh, in person. Welcome everybody who is watching the service online. So good to have you. And again, yeah, Happy New Year to you. And um, let me just say, you know, Beth was saying right now earlier when she was mentioning the small group experience right now, I, I have to be honest, the thing that crossed my mind is right now, every single thing we're doing is a small group, including this right now, it's a small group. So we're honored to have you at our small group. Welcome. Um, and uh, yeah, and I do, I do want to say thank you for um, allowing us to pivot uh, last weekend. Oh my goodness. So we come out of the holidays and uh, we had so many volunteers who pulled back either with COVID or with some other uh, sickness, illness. We had staff who were calling in with that and we were trying to plug and play. Uh, let me tell you a little something that's going on in our church. So this year, this year, t- t- 2022, marks the 25th anniversary of our church's existence. So... Uh, Beth and I uh, and the girls uh, started our church in rented facilities um, 25 years ago this Easter. And so last week, uh, we were actually going to have all three campuses in operation. Our third campus, which is launching, was going to launch at Christmas because of COVID and other reasons. We've just had to pull it over to Easter. And it really seems like it's going to work out in a way because we'll be launching our uh, Lake Worth campus on Easter Sunday, which is the 25th anniversary of when we launched this campus. So isn't that crazy that that works out that way? But uh, so last week we were trying to plug and play people in all these different positions and we just said, okay, this is not working. And we've invested so many, much uh, time and resources from your generosity uh, last year around, or the year before I should say, around uh, the online experience, we just went to all online. And I'm grateful for the flexibility and the willingness to pivot. I'm praying that we're done with that and that we're going to be online. But who knows, right? It changes every single hour, right? And so that's where we are. But I'm just grateful to pastor a church that will allow us, you know, sort of the space to kind of do what we feel like we need to do that makes it work and makes it safe. Um, Hey, uh, this is my space. I would have done it last week. I'm going to do it. Uh, now I get to do it today. So many of us gave sacrificially uh, in December for our Christmas missions offering. We've been doing that. It's been part of the rhythm, the natural rhythm of our church for many years. Uh, our leaders come up with a total. We, we, we think about what uh, would move the ground forward in some of the different areas in our church. And we just lay that out before you guys. And you have responded and responded and responded and been super generous. So uh, in December, we shared with you that we were going to we were gonna chase a number. And the number, anybody remember what we were going to chase? $150,000. Uh, I'm going to give you a little confession from your, your founding pastor. I was a little nervous about that because um, last year was weird, Right? Weird. Feels weird right now, right? You know, some of you look weird. I've, I look weird. We're all, it's all weird. And so I thought, you know, what are we going to do? And so we laid this out and it became a prayer goal and we did this. Are you ready to see our total where we stand right now? Uh, money is still coming in even at this point, but I'm going to show you this is actually where we stand right now on $150,000. 
Is that not killer? It, it almost makes you kind of want to dance, like, right? I mean, just... Shouldn't we dance? You're not dancing. All right, never mind, never mind, never mind. I, I, I started that like at nine o'clock and this woman like right there in the center just got up and... Yeah, okay, all right. Anyhow. So that is super cool. I, let me just say this in all seriousness. You guys are so generous. You are such a generous church and I, I'm blown away. I, I really thought that's a, that's a big goal and for us to be that close is just pretty incredible. And uh, can we give the Lord a round of applause and say, yeah, God, way, go, way to go, God. All right. All right, with that, uh, I want you to grab your notes, grab your app, grab your Bible, your journal, however it is you do this space. Uh, we are jumping into a series today I'm super excited about, and uh, we are going to uh, start a series today. We've, we're calling this series How Life Works, and beginning today and the next, and for the next uh, eight weeks, so nine weeks total, we are going to march our way as a church family through Jesus Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I've been sharing people, I said, said, I think at Christmas Eve, the most interesting, the most famous sermon ever preached. It was certainly not one of mine, but it was the Lord's. And we're going to do this. And here's what I want to tell you. This is kind of an interesting fact I want you to know. Uh, I have been in full-time Christian service since 1987, and I have never preached all the way from beginning through to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we are going to do that beginning now. And I am super excited about this. And um, this is a, an interesting thing. This is the longest hit, uh, narrative that Jesus ever offered to us. It is the longest uh, teaching. If you look at the Gospel of Matthew, five times in the Gospel of Matthew, you find in these 28 chapters these discourses. They're called the five discourses. You can impress all your friends when you go to breakfast at a restaurant that'll probably be closed after church. So come on, y'all. We can't laugh at this. We're just going to all cry together. So here's the thing. Um, and so the longest one is Jesus Sermon on the Mount. It is still today, it is one of the most highly regarded pieces of uh, historical narrative to come out of antiquity. So in all of the writings that have been preserved, we have through the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount, which has been the most widely repeated, the most widely memorized sermon in all of history. And so um, I think there's some incredible fruit that we're going to learn from this. And here's the interesting thing. When you read the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew remembers it uh, as uh, that Jesus first taught it on a mountain. If you go to the Gospel of Luke, I was thinking about this because many of us have downloaded the Bible app on Version, Word of God Speak, that that Kathy and I put on version years ago called Word of God Speak. You can do that. You get to Luke chapter 6 is, the, is Luke's understanding of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and interestingly, he notes that Jesus preached it from a plane. It says he came down to the valley and preached the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew remembers it on a mountain. Luke remembers it uh, in a valley or on a plane. And, and the historical writers, when they're helping us understand, is that a contradiction? Here's what they say. No, it's not really a contradiction. What they're thinking is that Jesus taught this over and over and over and over again. And that this is the way these two guys remember this narrative. 
And here's what's sort of super interesting about it. There's a lot of diversity around what Jesus was actually trying to do in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a lot of, if you study this, and trust me, we've been doing this, there's all this difference of opinion. Let me share with you one of the grand ideas where there's a lot of unanimity, where there's a lot of unity, where there's a lot of agreement, that Jesus was actually telling us how life works. So if you're taking notes, that's something I'd want you to know. Jesus is letting us know this is how life works. And, and, and that's kind of a great place um, for me to really sort of uh, depart because really my, my job today is uh, I want to help us all get in on the ground floor. I want us to uh, help us understand some things about what's going on in this incredible piece of, uh, of literature in a way, in this incredible sermon, these incredible words. I want to get us all on the same page because we're going to move through this and we're going to preach through all the major themes across these next uh, nine weeks. Now, here's an interesting thing I want to say as a preemptor. Uh, if, if I'm, if I'm going to preach all the way through this for the first time in my ministry, I'm going to say some things you've probably never heard me say. Okay? Which means this, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have to listen to some things you've not heard me say. And, and, and I was thinking about this. Um, the last two years have been filled with chaos and conflict, and I've become, gotten so used to chaos and conflict, I thought, let's have more chaos and conflict. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do over the next nine weeks. And so here's what you don't know. The, 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 the hospitality team has locked the doors. You can't get out. <laughs> so I'm going to share some stuff, and we're, 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 we're going to go through this. Now, here's, here's like I said, with, with, um, with all of the diversity of what is happening, what people think is actually going on in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the great places of unity is that everybody uh, generally thinks Jesus was telling us how life works. Now, and here's what I mean by that. How life works, watch this, if you do life God's way. Now, we're a church that believes in free will, so you, you get to opt in, which means you can opt out. But if you want to do life God's way, in fact, many of us are thinking about this. A lot of us are familiar with a prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. I really think the Lord's Prayer is the prayer in John 17, which is... Not something we really have committed to memory. But uh, what we know traditionally is the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. You can say it with me, right? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Watch this. On earth as it is in. So that right there, that right there, if, if heaven is really going to touch earth, here's where most people agree. It'll happen through the Sermon on the Mount. When we all step in on doing that. Now, here's the thing. If the religious historians and the theologians all agree about that, and they do, you can trust me, uh, and if this is really the way life works, and I think it is, here's what I would tell you. Many of us have got it wrong. Can I just go ahead and start offending all of us? I think many of us have got it wrong. We only got it sort of, Right? And, and so he's going to invite us into something that's got a lot of challenge to it. And, and sometimes when you look at life, am I the only one that looks at life sometimes and goes, well, it works. Say it with me. Sort of. Sort of. 
Uh, this past summer, last summer, Beth and I had a family wedding on her side that was out in Salt Lake. And we said, well, because of that, we've always wanted to start working our way through the national parks. Let's go all the way out. We're going to go. So many of y'all remember I've shared pictures. I've tried not to bore everybody. We went to Yellowstone. We went to the Grand Tetons and, and all of that. And, and what was really cool about that is, is um, while I was gone, the, the kids took care of a lot of the house and, and did some things for us. And, and many of y'all know, um, I take Friday off. Friday's, Friday's my day. Uh, where I like to do yard work, and I just get my hands dirty and all of that stuff. I ran into somebody from our church this past Friday, and I looked like I was homeless. <laughs> and and, and, he, and he, I, I saw it. I noticed that he, he looked me up and down, and he went, oh, yeah, it's Friday, <laughs> which I was kind of offended at that. But at any rate, um, and so, you know, we were, uh, I like to do yard work, and, and, and uh, over the years, I, I want you all to know what you already probably know about me. Um, you know, I've been here 25 years. Beth and I are going to celebrate 34, 35 years of marriage this year. I tend to stay committed. I tend to, tend to stay committed. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I play long. Some of us, I have a friend of mine, he's been in nine different houses. He has 15 different cars. You know, I, I, keep, I get a truck, I keep it. I could, you know, and uh, years ago when we first started Community of Hope, I bought a lawnmower. And I had the lawnmower 24 years. I want to show you a picture of this lawnmower. It's a cute old girl right there. And uh, I, I had a friend of mine, Robert Harvey, and I, I would take it in for repair. And every time I would take it in, I would be a little nervous. And, and he, he started to say to me this. He said, hey, Dale, he said, this is, this is not the end of the road, but you can see the end of the road coming. And then, and then something would happen, and he'd fix it. He'd tape it together. I'd take it home, and then I'd take it in. And he would just start. It was like a, he was like a pastor. He's like the pastor of the lawn. And, and he was just he was starting to help me see the transition. And I took it in one afternoon, and I was telling him what was wrong with it. And he said, the moment has arrived. Thank God. You know, so we said a prayer. We had a prayer for the lawnmower. It was like, we just said last rites over it. And then, you know, it's sort of like, sometimes I don't want to offend anybody. It's like a pet, then that's gone. And then you go, time to get a new pet. And I want to show you this, this is what I got. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so, you know, I got this new lawnmower and I'm going to keep that. I, I told Beth, I said, just bury me with it. It'll be here as long as I'm here. And uh, so while we were out in the Grand Tetons, uh, uh, Haley and Brandon, were, they were going to take care of the lawn. And Haley called me one afternoon, and she said, hey, um, Dad, I was mowing the yard, and I wanted to talk to you about the mower. And right away I went, what's wrong with the mower? <laughs> and she, I said, is it working? And, and the word I just had you say, this is what she said to me, well, it's working. Sort of. And I said, well, what's wrong? And she goes, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I did anything. And she said, I just put gas in it. And then she kept talking. And I, I started thinking, that doesn't sound quite right. And if you could see the mower, if you look way up at the top where, where, the, where the gas tank is, there's like the little circle thing. And, and she thought that that meant don't put gas there. But actually what it meant was don't put alternative gas there. So she opened where you put the oil. I feel heard right now. <laughs> and put the gas in there. And here's the interesting thing. Again, you can say it with me. It, it's, it still worked. Sort of. 
And, and it was smoking and the neighbors are coming out and it just created this scene. We called fire and rescue. It was like this weird thing. And here's the reason I share all that. I think a lot of us sometimes with the Christian experience, uh, it, it works, sort of. And I think there's a moment of decision there, I think, really about, about this. Because it works for us, sort of, the moment of decision, I think, in my own mind, because I've been through this, right? I, I preach from my own experience as, as a follower of Jesus, not as somebody who's trying to just impress you with something I don't know and haven't experienced in my own life. Uh, I remember, for me, a moment when I had, to, I had to press my faith into some deeper spaces, I've shared before that when my father died, right, I, I had to learn and read more about uh, how life works when you take your last breath because, you know, uh, remember, everybody one day will, what, take their last breath. And I remember when, when, when I experienced the loss of a loved one at that level the first time ever, right, uh, it was a moment for me to begin to think seriously about, you know, so what you preach is what you preach, actually what you believe, and we all have these moments, we have these spaces, we have these circumstances that happen in our lives, and, and we reach a moment of decision. Sometimes in our level of learning, we, we reach a moment of decision where we go, are we going to go, are we going to go all in? When Beth and I were starting Community of Hope many years ago, I was reading, I don't even remember now what I was reading, but I was reading something I was super challenged by by reading about organizations that had established core values underneath the organization that, and a core value is an idea that is true where in, in whatever place you move it. So these are the ideas that you've come to believe. These are things that work. These are truisms. And if you move that over into this space, it's still true. If you push it over here, it's still true. And I remember one, one day just deciding to discipline myself to create some core values around community of hope. Here's one of our core values. I think it's core value number six. We believe this. Full devotion to Christ is normal for every believer. In other words, this. Jesus doesn't want the faith for you to work. Say it with me. Sorta. He wants you to go all in. And if you go all in, there's, there's a blessing, there's a favor, there's a provision that one of, the, one, of the, one of the frightening things of my life as a biblical communicator is that you would sit under my teaching and then one day transition to heaven and realize there was so much you never actuated in your life. I want us all to go all in. And the interesting thing where all of the theologians and historians agree and all of the diversity of thought around the Sermon on the Mount, here's a thing they agree on. They agree that Jesus is teaching us how life works. And I think it's interesting that that would be the place where I want us to begin. And so what I want to do is I want to read you the first 16 verses of this sermon. And here's how Matthew remembers it. He says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach. 
And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And so in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. You know, Lord, uh, just an admission, I almost feel intimidated uh, to read these words and then to preach from them. Uh, intimidated in one sense because there's so much of my life that sometimes doesn't reflect what we read. And intimidated too, God, because, um, you know, how would anyone ever stand in a place and give context and meaning to these great words that have changed the world over and over and over? But God, we are here today, uh, all, of you, all of us as pilgrims on a journey. All of us, Lord, as beggars looking for bread. And so by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you take one man's fumbling attempt to create space, so oh God, where you will do again what you've done over and over and over which has let heaven touch earth. Might that happen again and start with us? For we pray in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. So Jesus begins the sermon with, again, another thing that many of us have memorized, at least the the. the the definition or the, the given name to it. And he starts with what we know as the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. And uh, if you, for those of you that may not know, he uses the word blessed. And over and over again, he says this word. And so because my assignment today is sort of to just to tee up the idea. If you, if you don't know, the word blessed actually means this. It means happy or fortunate. 
So almost every time you read what Jesus is saying, you could put in front of it, happy or fortunate. Happy and fortunate are you if you're poor in spirit. Happy and fortunate are you. And then he goes down the list. Now, here's an interesting thing, and this is where I think the struggle comes in for many of us. That is not our understanding of, of, of true happiness and true fortune is the list that he goes through. In fact, um, many of you know uh, I don't have social media uh, by choice, but um, I do have family and I do have friends and I do have people that have social media. And so I asked a few of them, I said, hey, do me a favor and go on your social media platforms and, and just type in the word blessed and tell me what you Tell me what you see when you do that. And uh, I wrote some things down. This is what they told me. If you, if you go to your social media platforms and you type in the word blessed or hashtag blessed or whatever, uh, you see endless pictures of new cars, new houses, new jobs, new raises, new girlfriends, new boyfriends, new spouses. Uh, and the common denominator, it would appear on social media, is that everything always moves up and to the right. And so really to be a part, to be blessed, is uh, synonymous with winning and acquisition and prosperity and power, prestige and perfection and beauty. Hashtag blessed. Okay? Now here's a problem with that. Now first of all, let me say as a disclaimer, because we're going to move through this material. First of all, those can be examples of blessing. Wouldn't we all agree, right? And in fact, just so you know that I haven't lost all of my mind, in James chapter 1, verse 17, look at what the brother Jesus says. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So, so we would go, all of these good things, yes, that's a blessing. But um, is, it, is it the example that Jesus is pointing to? And here's what I would tell you, it's not. And, and the other thing that I struggle with, and maybe this is my own admission, if, if everything about being blessed is always up and to the right, am I the only one who struggles with that because my life has not always gone up and to the right? Am I the only one who feels that way? Do you, do you, right? do you ever just, you ever look sometimes, again, I don't have social, social platforms and all that, but you ever look, I, you know, like you, you see people, they're posting all the time. Do they ever post like I had a flat tire or this, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me and she should have because I'm a jerk. You know, they don't, they don't say that. And so everything isn't always up and to the right. The other thing that I struggle with around that, of course, is simply this and it's not actually what Jesus is pointing to because his blessing statements sound different. They sound, I'm just going to own it, they sound almost clunky. They sound almost out of pitch and out of tune. In fact, just, just so you get my idea, let me, let me just walk you through some of this. Is this okay? Is it, did I share this okay? You're, remember, you can't get out, so it's okay. Um, all right, here, here's one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says. Happy are those who know that there's, they have spiritual need. Happy are those who know their spiritual bankruptcy. Fortunate are you. Yay, God. <laughs> Want to do another one? Happy are you. Blessed are those who mourn. 
Blessed are you when you lost a loved one and you're lonely and your world has been turned upside down and destroyed. Yay, God, yay, you. Do you hear it? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who appear weak in this culture, who don't power up to defend themselves or to gain. Blessed are those who could be misunderstood and thought of as wrong. Happy are you. Let me, just, let me give you a few more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who place an emphasis not on growing their brand or their bank account, but they focus on their soul and their relationship with God. And they place an emphasis on not what is happening now, but what will happen in eternity. And they keep doing it, and they keep doing it, and they keep doing it, no matter the consequences. Fortunate are you. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who work hard to see the other side. Blessed are those who don't have to get even or get ahead. They keep forgiving. They just forgive. They just move on. They don't post how wronged they've been. They don't gossip about it. They never troll Facebook. Happy are you. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who don't push for ulterior motives, who don't force things to fit so it works out better for them. Blessed are those who don't create a story. Blessed are those who don't work behind the scenes, but they just trust God. And they say, what he gives is enough. Here's the last one. I can't skip it. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are insulted. Hey, happy are you when you suffer wrongly, when you've been accused falsely and you don't defend. You take it without bitterness, without vengeance, without malice. Happy are you. So I can tell that feels different. And again, right? Moment of clarity. And, 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 and to be con- honest, you know, part of what I want to do is bring my teaching and bring my study into, into spaces like this. You know what a lot of people that I've read over the last few weeks say about ultimately about the Sermon on the Mount? We're not really meant to live it. 
It's too idealistic. It's, it's just an esoteric, idealistic expression of something that Jesus was thinking, but we're not really supposed to lean into it. I mean, hey, don't go all in. Can I tell you the problem with that? Now, I, I notice this because I'm a preacher, right? You want to see how Jesus sticks the landing? It's Matthew 7, 24. It's actually our theme verse for the series. We'll put it on the screen so you can see it. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. is like the wise man who built his house on a rock. So we can't really say with biblical integrity, Jesus was just painting an esoteric picture that doesn't really get down on the road of human experience. Moment of decision. I've been thinking about this. I want to share something with you. But before I share something with you, because it's not sort of awkward enough in the room, can I just make it a little more awkward? (laughs) Some of you always say in the lobby afterwards, why do you have to do that? I don't know, but I do. Jesus, um, across the Sermon on the Mount, he, he keeps saying this one thing over and over and over again. And uh, there are different versions of it. Uh, I, you know, I've committed a lot of scripture to memory. I want to give you, this is what's m- my memorized version of it. He says something like this. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. Say that with me. You have heard it said. Say it again. You have heard it said. Say it with meaning. You have heard it said. But I say unto you. And, and just because it's not awkward enough, let me read those out. <laughs> you have heard it said, you shall not commit murder. But I say unto you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. Yay. <laughs> you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, if anyone looks at a woman or man, lustfully has already committed adultery with them in their heart. You have heard it said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I say unto you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Yay! You have heard it said, don't break an oath. To fulfill the Lord, your, the vows the Lord you have made. But I say unto you, don't even swear an oath. Here's, here's some. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hey, give them your coat. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them what? Two. Now, how about this one, y'all? You've heard it said, love your neighbor. But I say unto you, love your enemy. (laughs) Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Moment of decision. He didn't really mean that. He got a little carried away. Preachers get carried away. 
Jesus got carried away. Somebody recorded it. If he did it over, he'd go, hey, don't write that stuff down. I was just kind of freewheeling. I went too far. Or, or, is this how heaven touches earth? I've been thinking about this. Um, some of what I've been thinking about has to do with what I would call, um, follow me now, habit formation. There's, now, I'm going to put a different lens on where we're going. I'm super excited about this. You can probably tell. Um, I think it was William James who was the father of American psychology, and, and this is what he said. He said, most of us are, um, uh, most of what we do is a mass of habits. Okay? Uh, Duke University did a study a few years ago, and this is what they concluded 45% of what you and I do every day is a habit. This is why you drive to a new place and you figure it out. By the third time you drive there, you're not even thinking about it anymore. Right, and it's re- it's really too true. We 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 create habits. Um, the way we brush our teeth, the way we hold our fork, the way we mow a lawn. Some of us create habits out of corrective measures over something we've done wrong. I have a a friend, a pastor I know that every time he fills his gas tank up, uh, his his truck's gas tank up, he said, when I get in the truck after that, he goes, I adjust my rearview mirror. I do it every time. And do you know why he did it? Because when he was young and the first time he took his dad's car out on a date and he went to gas the car up, he drove off with the hose still in the tank and pulled it right off the thing. Uh, The first time, a little moment of confession, the first time I did anything public in the church when I was a young man, I became a member. And similar to what we do here, we invite members down. And I became a member of the church. And while I was joining the church in front of a big congregation filled with people, to be candid, my zipper was down. <laughs> and can, can I tell you, what do you think I do every Sunday before I get up here? <laughs> can I just own it? And there are, mac- there are micro habits, right? How we brush our teeth, how we hold our fork. But let me tell you something else. There are macro habits. What we do when we're anxious. What we do when we're afraid or angry or filled with temptation. And could it be that actually what Jesus is doing is he's saying, you've always done it this way, but I say unto you, do it this way. And you've always considered that, but I would ask you to consider this. When you look at what Jesus is offering us through the lens of just what has become habitual, here's what I would tell you guys. I would submit to you that it reinforces that maybe, just maybe, a lot of what we've oriented around in terms of the Christian faith, we might actually be getting some of it 
wrong. And could that maybe be why our faith works? Here's the word, right? Sort of. One other thing. I believe that the sum total of the Christian experience really is, uh, is not striving harder. Uh, when I shared that the first time I shared that concept years ago, we have people in our church that said, that's when I decided to become a partner right there. Because all I've done my whole life is gone to church and I've learned and been shamed into just try harder. Get out there next week and just do it more and harder. And when you said, that's not the goal of the Christian experience, he said, I started to cry and never cry. And I said, I'm joining this church. And I just wonder if the sum total of the Christian experience is, is not trying. You hear me say it before. It's what? It's training. I was reading an article about one of my athletic heroes. I want to show you his picture. Do you know who this guy is right here? This is Mr. Emmett Smith. And you know what I was reading about him a few weeks ago? He said, Emmett Smith said, um, for all of his successes in uh, sports and football, he said, um, I would only give myself 24 hours to celebrate a win or mourn a loss. And then I get up and I just start training all over again. Could it be that that's what this is right here? Because I think the sum total of the Christian spirit, if we boil it all down, it's really two things. It's, it's training for heaven, and it's living a kind of life that makes those who are not yet followers of Jesus wonder. Right? I mean, didn't, didn't, he just, didn't we just read, you're, you're the salt of the earth. He's talking to us. You're the light of the world. I mean, at the end of the day, shouldn't we live in such a way that our lives have this kind of flavor that everybody's going, how do you do? I don't understand that. That our lives just draw this sort of light toward the person of Jesus Christ in a way that makes people consider him. And I want to tell you this. It'll never happen with Sorda. It just doesn't. And I know that every one of us listening to me online or right here in this room, we have loved ones, we have friends, we have neighbors. At the end of the day, we want them to know what we're learning. It's only going to happen when we live a different life. I close with this. Why I think this is important is because I read a statistic in October that really made me sad. And of course, last year was a year when all of us were kind of going, what are we doing, right? Can I just admit, as a pastor, there were moments I was going, what am I even doing? What is happening? Can I just admit, I had moments of just despair, like, what is going, like, what is happening right now? And, and I read a statistic that said, um, largely the church in the West, there's no tangible difference between self-identified followers of Christ and the way they live over and opposed to unidentified uh, people who have not, who don't identify as followers of Christ in the way they live. Almost no discernible difference. 
That should break every heart in this room. And I wonder, I just wonder, is, is this why? So we're going to go on an exploration to see. And by the time I'm done, I will have offended everybody. <laughs> Yay, God. Blessed am I. Um, I, think, I don't know. I love our church so much. I think we can handle it. You think we can handle it? Yeah. We, we can handle it. If not, I don't know. I don't know. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for you. Hey, let's, let's take a posture of prayer. Let's hold our hands out. Let's be open. God, uh, we're in this space today, and uh, we want to be the kinds of people that reflect your glory. We want to be the kind of people that, Lord, I mean, I just know so many people, my friends here, we just don't want to do sort of faith. I don't want to sort of live it, sort of believe it, sort of think about it, sort of wonder. I want to live it. And I believe there's blessing and favor and provision on those who do. So will you help us? Will you give us courage? Will you give me courage? Will you give us courage? And God, would you help us see that um, there's, there's great power in being open to allowing your Holy Spirit to take us on a journey. So here we are. We know we're in good hands. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. In the name of Jesus, who is our Lord. And everyone said, amen. Would you go in his blessing, go in his grace. We'll see you next weekend.